0: I wanted to take an opportunity actually to speak about something that doesn't pertain directly to the gospel today, but it's been reflected in our liturgical season. What did we just celebrate on Friday? All saints. Yeah, all saints. And that represents all the souls that are in heaven, right? All those who have passed through the body of Christ and made it already to heaven. What did we celebrate yesterday? All souls. Those, that's the church suffering all those still in purgatory that we're praying for, for their their passage into heaven. And who are we today celebrating? The third part of the church, the, the church militant. So historically, there's always been understood that the church composed of three states. We're only one third of it. Those in heaven, those in purgatory, and those of us who remain on this earth still fighting. And that's always been referred to historically as the church militant. Now, I know militancy is not a word that's so much accepted today, and people can be somewhat repulsed by it, as if we're somehow here to force people by a strong arm, by an army, to convert to Christ. And that's just not the truth. But if we are the church militant, you've got to ask, what is it that we're fighting against? Where is the battle taking place? What's it over? What are our weapons? St. Paul himself talks about this in Ephesians. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So in other words, this is a spiritual battle. So ultimately, we're all at war with the devil and his angels as long as we're in this life. And what is the fight over? Our souls. Every single one of us is engaged in a warfare over our souls. And what's the stakes? Heaven and hell. That's where we stand between. That's why we're the church militant. We're still fighting the battle on this earth. And that's why every time we come together on a Sunday... We're showing ourselves a part of that body still in this battle. But if we're going to win the war for our souls, for the souls of those entrusted to our care, there's a, three, there's a few things we have to know. Number one, we need to know that there is a war going on. If you don't know that there is a war going on for your soul, how are we going to know to fight it? Right? Secondly, you have to know who your enemy is. And thirdly, you have to know what are the weapons being used? What weapons do you have at your disposal? And what weapons is the enemy using? So the first point, to know that we're at war. There is nothing more prevalent in the entire scriptures than warfare imagery. It's always talking about war and the people of God were always engaged in war. And that's because of what Job himself says. The life of man on earth is a continual battle. And keep in mind, who were the Scriptures being written for? Was it being written for non-believers? For pagans to convert? No. It was was for the chosen people. St. Paul in the New Testament, all the apostles, they're writing to believing Christians. In the Old Testament, who was it written for? Practicing Jews. So to be in the covenant doesn't mean that we're just automatically saved. What it means is that we know the team that we're fighting on. And it's teaching us how to engage in that warfare. St. Ignatius of Loyola, he was the founder of the Jesuits, he said the beginning of this spiritual life happens, quote, quote, once said, The beginning of the spiritual life is the decision to choose which army we're going to belong to. The army of Christ or the army of this world. Which are always at war against one another. And in no way does that contradict a God who is loved. In fact, that's the central central proclamation of the gospel. Why did Jesus Christ come on earth? to save those who were under the dominion of the devil, of the powers of darkness in this land of exile. That's the very purpose that Jesus came. That's the proclamation of the cross. Every time we look at it, it's a proclamation of God who is love, who loves us so much that he'd give his life for us. But it's also a proclamation of sin. It's a condemnation of sin. Because we can't just say, if you love God, that's good. That's enough. What happened when God, who is love, came into our world? You look at a crucifix. A crucifix reveals the truth of the battle between the light and the darkness that we're all engaged in. St. Paul and St. Peter, this is all they talk about for the most part with the Christians that they're writing to. To stay awake and alert to the battle that they are engaged in for their souls. St. Paul says that Christ died to come to set us free. He said, you were bought with a great price, so do not become slaves once again to the world. And what was the price that we were purchased with? His life. You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb unblemished and spotless. We were redeemed from the world of darkness by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why St. Paul says, Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to set us free from this present age. This is the first thing that happens when you truly have a conversion in your life. Like Zacchaeus. You realize I was before walking in darkness, but I've seen the light and I see all the different ways my life was not in line with the light. And now I'm going to convert. I'm going to make retribution for the sins I've committed. And I'm going to invite Jesus Christ into my house, into my life. I'm going to enter into the light. And that's where the church militant begins. Once you understand that you are at war. It's the first thing that people tell me when they convert. For so long, I thought my life was peaceful and good. As soon as I started to truly follow Jesus Christ, everything seemed to start falling apart. There's some lie out there that that wants us to believe that when you follow Christ, your whole life comes together everything becomes easy. It's the complete opposite. The devil's only goal is to keep us asleep. To keep us in the darkness. So we don't wake up to the battle that is all around us raging for our souls. And the moment we wake up to that, that's when the battle begins. That's the beginning of the choice. To fight with the world. Or to live with the world. To join the darkness or to fight against it. So who is our enemy? First thing is to know, if you do not know that we are engaged in a war for our souls, how are you ever going to win it? Secondly, to know who are we battling against? This is the principal temptation of the devil. He wants us to think it's one another. to believe that it's warfare of flesh and blood. It's not. It's a spiritual warfare against the devil and his angels. And that's why Jesus Himself warned us, Do not fear those who can kill the body and have no more power over you. I will tell you whom you should fear. Fear Him who has power to destroy both body and body and soul in hell. We should fear the devil. St. Peter himself wrote to us, our first pope, be of, sober, be of sober spirit and alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him solid in your faith. And the second enemy, that we have to fight against in this world. What Scripture tells us is sin. I was talking to the youth before. What's worse, to be possessed by a demon or to be in a state of mortal sin? Most people who've seen The Exorcist would say probably worse to be possessed. No. A possession even of a demon in your body can only touch your body. We alone can commit sin. We alone, with our free will, can choose to cut off our relationship with God. That's why there's saints in the history of our church who've been possessed. Right? So the real fear that we should have is against our own sin in our life. And that's why St. John, when he was writing to his, his last letter to his followers, he was in exile in Patmos, for preaching the gospel of Christ. His final words to the followers were, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, let them remember that they have an advocate in Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he himself became the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but for those of the whole world. Now by this we may be sure that we know him if we obey His commandments. And then he goes on to say that that's, that's the real litmus, litmus test to know who we're following. Because anyone who says, I know Him, but doesn't obey His commandments, is a liar. That's where the warfare begins. So when you start asking, am I living according to the commands of Christ? When you start going towards that, That's when you start feeling the struggle. G.K. Chesterton, one of the great Catholic apologists of the 20th century, said, any dead body can float down a river. Everyone's just naturally floating. It takes a living body to swim against the current. It's only when we wake up and realize what we're going towards, that's where the struggle comes in. We start swimming against that current. So lastly... So we are, we are at war to know who our enemy is and what are, what are our weapons? What, first what's the weapons of the devil? Some of the devil's biggest weapons against us is unbelief. If he, can, if he can tempt us to lack faith in God, everything else falls with it. It's like they say the devil's greatest trick that he played on the world was what? Making us believe that he doesn't exist then I'm not going to fight. And secondly, the, su- the other great temptation is unforgiveness. When we hold on to the wounds that have hurt us in life, our unforgiveness becomes a portal through which the devil can allow many evil spirits to give, get in us. Spirits of anger, spirit of resentment, spirit of pride and bitterness and exposes us to much depression, and even hopelessness, anxiety, despair. These are the spirits that we constantly have to fight about in our own mind. That's why it's a spiritual battle. Are the thoughts that I am having in my mind bring me closer to Christ and hope and joy? Or is it taking me further away? And to fight this, Uh, what are the greatest weapons that we have if we know that we're at war and we know who our enemy is and we know how he's attacking us, what are the weapons that God himself has given us to engage in the spiritual warfare? Well, First off, daily rosary. right? That's what all the great saints have always done. Pray the rosary every single day. St. Padre Pio, famous for having stigmata Actually fought with the devil physically, could see the bread and wine transforming into the body and blood of Christ at Mass. And what would he ask for every single night before he went to sleep? He'd say, give me my weapon. My weapon. And they'd hand him the rosary. Secondly, confession. Even monthly. But going to confession, what I've noticed so much is that the longer we stay away from confession, the less we see ourselves in truth. The more we go to confession, the more our life becomes apparent for good and for bad. The more the struggle between the light and the darkness becomes apparent. The the greatest soldiers of Christ I've ever met have always been in the confessional. And so often they come to me and say, I don't understand. I'm confessing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm like, do you have any idea how much God loves your fight? That we're all fighting sins in our life, and the more we wake up to the battle that's going on, the harder we will keep fighting. It doesn't man- It doesn't mean never sinning. It means never giving up. The Pope said that once. It's not God who ever tires of forgiving us. It's we who get tired of asking God for forgiveness. temptation is to give up so to go to confession as much as we can and lastly the scriptures themselves say that the word of god is a sword of the spirit to feed ourselves with the word of god so if we come to mass one hour a week if i'm celebrating the mass i know it's usually one hour and a half or something like that so a little more time but if you're coming to mass one hour a week to fill your minds and every single one of you is making that sacrifice week after week. God bless you for it. But if you're here for an hour and the rest of the week, you're filling your mind with the world, (coughs) with Netflix or social media or music, well, who's gonna influence you more? Are you being influenced more by your relationship with Christ, by His word or by the voice of the world because those two are in conflict there's two worlds that we live between the world of the devil and darkness and the world of Christ and his light. and when we come here we're all deciding as the church militant to live in the light and to fight against the darkness and that will be our state as long as we live and that's okay What's important is never giving up in the battle. Never leaving the light because it's difficult. And the greatest weapon at our disposal, I'll end with this, is without a doubt the Most Holy Eucharist. Because every single time you step into this church, every single Sunday you come here, Jesus Christ, our King, our Commander, our God, He himself comes to join us, to strengthen you, to encourage you, and to remind you that no matter what you're going through in your life, you never have to do it alone. He never leaves us alone. In St. John Chrysostom, I'm going to quote him. He was a bishop from the 4th century. And this is what he's preaching in a church similar to this. 1,600 years ago, this is what he's saying to his congregation about what they're experiencing in Mass. He says, let us then come back from that table of the altar after we drink of the blood of Christ, like lions breathing out fire, thus becoming terrifying to the devil and remaining mindful of Christ and the love that He has shown for us. This blood, when worthily received, drives away demons and puts them at a distance from us and even summons to us the angels and the Lord of angels. And strengthened by his blood, we can all go back into this world ready to fight under the banner of Christ as the church militant.